Hello class, and welcome to Point of Dew Academy. Someone wise once said that you learn something new every day, and in this series, one of us will teach the other about a topic they don't know much about. The teacher of the episode gives a brief lecture to the class, but the student must pay attention because there absolutely will be a quiz at the end. Today's lesson, Obsessive Compulsive Disorder, or OCD. Grab your backpacks, marble notebooks, and don't forget to give your teacher a piece of fruit because class is in session. Just kidding. Before we start, I just want, actually, this is the starting point. I just want to give the definition that comes from the uh, International OCD Foundation, the IOCDF. So, obsessive compulsive disorder, or OCD, is a mental health disorder that affects people of all ages and walks of life and occurs when a person gets caught in a cycle of obsessions and compulsions. And I'll explain what those are later, but this is what they say they are. Obsessions are unwanted, intrusive thoughts, images, or urges that trigger intensely distressing feelings. Compulsions are behaviors an individual engages in to attempt to get rid of the obsessions and or de decrease distress. So this part is very key to note. Most people have obsessive thoughts and or compulsive behaviors at some point in their lives, but that does not mean that we all have some OCD. It's kind of like we don't go around saying, oh, I'm a little bit cancer. In order for, and that's not in their definition, that's just a common argument made in the OCD community. In order for a diagnosis of OCD to be made, this cycle of obsessions and compulsions must be so extreme that it consumes a lot of time, more than an hour every day, causes intense distress, or gets in the way of important activities the person values. So, what does all of that mean? Basically, let's Sorry, start- can I interrupt? Yes, of course. Just in terms of the quiz part, because it's been a while since I've been on the receiving end of this, of this type mm -hmm. of episode. Um, are your questions going to be like that in depth? Like define compulsions. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> because no, I don't know if I'd be no, able no, to no. do that. I just but okay. No, I wouldn't either. Okay. I wouldn't. Either. I couldn't <laughs> list to that. Off. I'm okay. serious. I wouldn't okay. be able to list off word for word. I don't think anybody. I don't think that's okay. natural. I just making um. sure because I don't want to be like because I, I know this episode is going to be a good one, and then I don't want to like ruin it by being like <laughs> zero no, out of five. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. So. I gave the definition. Most people, when they think of OCD, and I don't blame them because, to be honest, that's what I thought of when I first learned about the disorder before I even knew I had it, was that it's, oh, they like to keep things clean. They like to do things that they have certain, like, ticks that they have where they have to touch things a certain amount of times, um, which... You know, that is a part of OCD for some people, but it's not the full picture. And sometimes there are people that don't have that experience at all. There's a joke that a lot of people with OCD have messy rooms, myself included, at a lot of points in my life, especially when I'm not doing well. Um, but 
I understand where the stereotype comes from because that's how it's um, portrayed in the media. We look at people like Monica, the character Monica on Friends. It's never explicitly, I don't think, said that she has OCD, but it's she has a version of OCD that is often portrayed. But the inaccuracy is that she likes it. She she loves being clean, and people with OCD can love being clean and orderly. It's it's just that it doesn't cause her severe distress in all situations. Obviously, it's a TV show, so they they wrote this character. This character is not an actual person. Um, I will share that, um, and I'm <laughs> kind of embarrassed by this, but I kind of laugh at it now too because when I was in seventh grade, when I had OCD and didn't know it we had watched a video about OCD in health class and it was accurate. Um, but I was at lunch and I looked over to somebody that was in my class or whatever, uh, or had the same teacher. And I was like, I don't have OCD. And I pretended to like touch something repeatedly. So I was making fun of the disorder while having the disorder unknowingly. And he turned to me and what did he say? Can you guess? I have OCD. Absolutely. <laughs> And now I am living a curse. No, I'm kidding. I've been. This is my no, no. penance. Yeah, yeah. No, I guess so. No. <laughs> Nobody who has OCD deserves it or asked for it. I am just putting that out there. But I joke. I made the joke. A funny anecdote. Yes. So, what are? Let's talk a little bit more about obsessions and compulsions for a sec, because obsessions sound great. People that. Like, we we often use that word pretty accurately, right? Not in the OCD community where it's like, oh, I'm obsessed with that. People would say, I'm obsessed with Lady Gaga, me, if they were saying that about me. And it's true. I am obsessed with Lady Gaga. Um, but interestingly, the part of my OCD that touches on Lady Gaga isn't my obsession with her. It's the obsession that I don't like her. And we'll get into my experience a little bit later. So an obsession isn't something that you're crazy about, you love in OCD. It's a thought or a feeling, as it mentioned, or an urge to do something either inappropriate or against your values or something that you just don't want to do or it doesn't fit your um, self-perception. So that's basically what an obsession is. And everybody has those from time to time. You've heard of the, oh, what if I were to just drive off this cliff? Or what if I were to just slap this person right now? Like, we all get those weird intrusive thoughts, um, which are obsessions. Uh, but a lot of us just brush them off and I've brushed them off. Like I've, I remember like being in second grade, I'd be like, Oh, what if I just like hit this teacher right now? I'm not a violent person. I've never hit someone, you know, like it's just not me. And it never bothered me. And it still wouldn't today, even if I had that. Cause I just like, I know that's not, it's just not what my OCD sticks to. Um, but, Oh, where was I going with this? Oh, so the, um, the second part of the disorder, the, the disorder that makes it a disorder is the compulsions part. So it causes severe, severe, severe distress to the point that you have to figure out what it means, whether that's, or get rid of it, whether that's performing something that's highly illogical, but it just makes sense in your OCD brain, it rationalizes it that, oh, if I don't count to 10, 10 times, my mom's going to die. That's just an example. Um, or if I don't figure out, did I actually do this thing a year ago that I wouldn't do today? Or was that a false memory? Or do I deserve to even, you know, lead a good life and you just start obsessing over it? That in and of itself, you don't have to see, not all compulsions are visible. 
Um, in fact, there's a nickname for a theme of OCD called Pure O, where the compulsion is rumination. Where you just think about it, you have to make, it just plays over and over and over. And sometimes it's, you know, habitual. It's not even something you realize you're doing. And it just plays over and over and over. And it causes severe distress to the point that, like, I've become depressed over over certain um, obsessions that I've had. But I want to take a step back because that was a lot. Um, one thing that helps uh, people get, I think, a better understanding of what OCD deals with a little bit are the different sub-themes uh, or subtypes that we use to categorize different obsessions. Um, I want to just be very clear, though, about these that they aren't diagnoses. Is that even a word, diagnoses? Diagnoses? Diagnoses. diagnoses. Okay. They're not diagnoses. So the diagnosis is OCD, but there are different thoughts, different types of thoughts that bother people with OCD. So they kind of group them together in these sub-themes just to, you know, create community within the, um, you know, with people that have OCD and also just to kind of label like, yep, that's a comment, like that's a sign of OCD. This might be a sign of OCD. So I want to just talk about each one for a second, because this will, I think, give such a, or give testament to the scope of what OCD really is and how it can bother people and what it's not. So the first theme, you, we will just talk about it because it's one of the more known themes is perfectionism. Uh, it's having to do something exactly right, or it means you're not, you're, it means something about your worth as a human, or that something bad is going to happen, or that you don't deserve something good to happen to you. That's perfectionism. And I'll talk about, I'm going to detail my experience with that theme to kind of explain it in a little bit. HOCD, which is uh, more ref or more commonly referred to now as SOOCD, it's sexual orientation OCD. A lot of OCD has revolves around sexuality and sexual themes, sexual thoughts. Um, it used to be called HOCD because people called it because it was referred to as homosexual OCD. Now it's referred to um, as sexual orientation OCD just because people who are gay can have it too and fear that they're straight. It's basically fearing that you're the wrong sexuality or you're not the sexuality that you actually are. And there can be a multitude of symptoms with that. So you could have the thought that, oh, my sexual, I might be lying to myself. But then you think, no, I wouldn't lie to myself. But wait, have I ever looked at a whatever girl or guy a certain way? No, I don't think so. And then you start checking. That becomes the compulsion. Um, that's the compulsive part, is the checking. You can check for arousal. Am I aroused by this? You can look at pictures and be like, is this something I like? But it causes insane amounts of distress. This is not a fun time. Um, another compulsion there would be to avoid whatever is triggering you. Um, and that was something I did in college a lot, was I would avoid. And I'll talk about that in a second, too. But I just want to continue on with the listing of the themes. And I also want to say... To, um, to please keep an open mind when I'm, and I'm not speaking to you, I know that you, we've talked about a lot of these and you will, but I'm just speaking to listeners because a lot of these are very hard to talk about and are taboo because oftentimes you hear that and it's like, oh, oh my God. And it's like, no, the person experiencing this is like probably in bed sobbing or unable to get up because they can't stop thinking about this and they hate it and it's causing them so much distress. Um, 
relationship OCD. Am I with the right partner? I also see this come out a lot in, you can, OCD can attach to anything you like, and it, it often does. Anything that you are passionate about, it'll target. So I kind of, when I talk about my um, liking Lady Gaga, say a song comes out and I'm like, oh, I don't really like that song as much. It turns very quickly into, do I not like her? No, I must not like her. But what does this mean about me? Because my, a big part of my identity is liking her, like, wait, do I not agree? Does she not actually stand for what she says she stands for? Is she lip? Did she lip sync during this performance? She says she never lip syncs, but, and then you just go down to the rabbit hole where I would start avoiding her music entirely. Cause I'm like, oh, I don't like it. It really convinces you. And you start to get the thoughts, the feelings that, oh, I just don't like this. And then it becomes, oh, am I living a lie? Should I take down my posters? I don't want want to that feels like a big part of me is missing and it sounds really dumb because it's like yeah you can change opinions about your who your favorite artist is like anyone can do that and that's fine but the whole reason that this is happening is basically because you don't want it to um and it's often they call it like a whack-a-mole disorder too because when one obsession goes away another one usually pops up i rarely have two bothering me at the same time um but relationship OCD too. Am I with the right partner? Oh, he notice it starts to pick out like flaws in the person. I probably don't like this. And then you just, then you feel unhappy in your relationship and it sucks because you love the person and it's not your true feelings. Um, health OCD, you can probably imagine what that is. It's people that, uh, there's health anxiety, of course. Um, but health OCD is basically that with the, um, the thought that, oh, do I, I just felt this, this is just an example. I just felt this movement in my foot. Is that, what is that? Do I have a tumor? Oh my gosh, I have a headache. What does that mean? Um, you can get triggered by anything really, but then the compulsions start um, when, you know, somebody might research obsessively about what what they're experiencing. Is it cancer or is it just a growing pain? They might go to the doctor a lot and be like, are you sure? I know, um, I don't want to mess up the story too much, but there's uh, there's an OCD advocate who has OCD himself named Ethan. Um, he was an actor before this, so I he is well known enough. Um, but he, I believe, he was he dealt with this to the point that his doctor said like, "Oh no, you're fine," and he was like, "No, I'm not fine," and he needed to go to the hospital. So he like put his head in an iceberg or not an iceberg, sorry, like a I don't even know what you would call those ice or snowbank snowbank and made himself bleed to go to the hospital to make sure he was okay. Hmm. So like it really can get devastating and you know, that's and interesting ruin life. too, because when you were describing it, I was thinking about um, people who are, um, you know, diagnosed hypochondriacs where they think like, Oh, something that could be a health thing could is, is bigger than it is. But then you using that story helped me kind of realize it's, it's more than that. It's like, okay, they might, someone who who has the health theme might think, okay, there's something wrong, a movement in my foot might be something or a headache might be something. But then to the point where even if a doctor has said, no, there's nothing wrong, they might, or at least in the example you gave, yeah. arm themselves so that they're they can go back or that they go back or I don't know. Yeah, I don't, don't want to say that they're believed, but. Right. No, it's not that they feel like they're not believed. They get relief. And I'm going to talk about about why that's a bad thing. Like, mm -hmm. why not just do the compulsion and then feel better and move on about your day? They get relief by going to the doctor, but then 
the anxiety starts to build again. And we'll talk about why that is. And then they are like, no, I need to go back. I need to just check one more time. Um, I personally believe the most stigmatized theme of OCD is POCD, which is the fear of being a pedophile. And that is gut-wrenching just because, well, first of all, it's, I don't, I can't think of a worse thing in society to be, to harm a child. Um, I just, I don't know, like, I honestly, I think, well, you're, I'm not even going to say murder versus, you know, sexually harming a child, but there's nothing worse, in my opinion. Um, people will start, oh, I just noticed that child, am I attracted to that child? Oh, when I was younger, when I was a kid, I did this, was this an indicator of that? Am I, let me think, oh, I can't gauge the age of that child, especially like if you're like, you know, on the cusp of being 18, is that person 18? Oh, they're not 18 yet? Oh my God, what was I thinking? Would I ever act on this? I don't think I'd act on it. Oh my God, I just looked at this picture on Instagram. Is that mean? And you just go down this spiral. And you can imagine as OCD attacks what you love. So a lot of people that experience this theme love children and love being around children are either a new parent or they have kids or they're a teacher or they just value being a good person. Like that's just, you know, that theme can attack any of that. And who doesn't want to be a good person? Like for the most part, I would say that we all strive to be a good person. And that's the, and that's the, uh, for, for someone without OCD, it's like, oh yeah, no, I, I would never like, that's a, that's a silly thought. Like I, whatever. Um, but you can really, really break down the, like, I'm going to use the word molecules just to, like, really pull apart the argument until the point that you just believe it. And as I mentioned, OCD can be very convincing. It can give you, when you think about sex, you're going to have symptoms with all of the different sexual themes. And I will uh, talk about my experience with one of the sexual, or some of the sexual themes in a moment. Um, but the other ones I want to talk about, moral scrupulosity, just having a mean thought. It's like, oh, what does that mean about me? Um, pure O, as I mentioned before, it's, you know, having the thought and it doesn't necessarily look like you're doing a compulsion, uh, but you very well could be. I could be sitting with you talking right now and I could be ruminating and I could have been ruminating all day. Sometimes I don't, I don't even realize I'm doing it. Like, like I said before, like it's something that can go, go on without me noticing. Harm, we talked about that one a little bit. People, and these kind of, they, as you can probably tell, they kind of cross over a little bit. Like POCD, like that's harm in and of itself, but it's also a sexual theme. It's like they're holding hands um, in the same way that like moral, they're clear, clear moral boundaries right there. Like that are just like, if you can't see them, it's like, well, there's something wrong. Um, the last one I'll talk about is uh, contamination, which can be both physical in terms of like germs or um, things touching each other that shouldn't, but they can also be, oh, I just had this thought and it doesn't align with my values. So like my brain is contaminated or my mind is contaminated. I just thought this, whether it's impure or, oh, I just had, like, I just had this, I just got this wrong answer on a test, but it was touching a paper. This was something that I actually experienced. I don't like my handwriting on this paper, but it was touching an, another paper that I did like my handwriting. The molecules of the pencil probably rubbed off on it. It's contaminated. I need to start over. Um, that even, that happened with the iPad too, because we wrote on our iPads a lot in 
uh, college or in high school and I didn't like my handwriting on it. So I erased it. It's not there. There's no like eraser marks on an iPad, obviously. But I was like, I need to delete this note because that was there at one point. So those are some of the themes. Do you have any questions so far? Because those are not all of them. And I do want to put it out there for anyone that's listening without giving reassurance that OCD can literally attack anything, be so specific, it can convince you of anything. And it will use everything because it, it knows your brain. It's, it's, it's a disorder in your brain. So your brain knows itself and it's going to use whatever it can to attack you. Sure. Um, I think one of the questions I have is like one reemphasizing that it's not, those themes are not, diagnoses of them right in themselves but right so as someone who has ocd or just generally speaking if if someone were to be diagnosed with ocd could they have obsessions and compulsions in different themes or is it common of that course. there might just be like a couple a few or could throughout their experience with ocd kind of like maybe it, it or like touch ba- uh not touch base um you know, change, change along, the different themes. Of like, course, is it of just course case by case? It's different. Yeah, the, uh, my therapist calls it the snowflake disorder because every single one is different because everybody's values are a little bit different. Um, I, yeah, no, my, I've experienced many of these themes, um, and like I said, the list goes on. And when I say I only experience one at a time, that's generally speaking, it's not always the case, but they come back. It's whack-a-mole for a reason. It's like you hit it down, one one pops up, you get over that one. I remember when I went, when I got a therapist in Baltimore, senior year of college, and I was really, really struggling, I had confirmed that I got reassurance because um, this person wasn't certified in OCD treatment. She, she was just a general therapist, which... A lot of them do treat OCD or claim to just because it's, you know, that's a thing that it's not illegal to. Like, they're not they're not breaking any rules and they don't know or like they'll know about ERP, which is the gold standard of treatment, but they won't practice it themselves. They're like, oh, I'm not I don't pra- I'm not licensed to practice that. Mm. Um, so that but but I do talk therapy and talk therapy, unfortunately for OCD, does not work on its own. Um but yeah, so I remember going, getting reassurance for one of my theme, and immediately as I walked out, I felt like a million bucks. And then I was like, oh, but wait, and another theme popped up. And the rational part of your brain knows this is, in some way, So I'll say it's really hard to trust your gut when you have this disorder, because it's not always the case when it's like, oh, but you know the rational part. It's like, no, I don't, the, my gut instinct is telling me that I'm a bad person, or that I made a horrible mistake, or that I'm not good enough or that I don't like this. So it's really, yeah, it it's, you know, it's, it's difficult, but I forget. Oh yeah, to, to answer your question, yes, you can have multiple. Um, they one, When one goes away, it doesn't stay away all the time. Uh, it often doesn't stay away, but yeah, you can have more than one. I, I know somebody who was um, afraid of uh, eating because they were afraid of choking. Mm-hmm. So they would eat for like it would take them two hours to eat a meal um because they were very afraid of choking i know another person that was so that's like a um that's like a life or death fear really or like you're afraid of dying essentially or choking but then i know somebody who loved animals and worked as a uh i think a vet technician and her ocd targeted sexual themes towards animals now did she want to 
I don't have to say this to people that have OCD, but I'm just going to say it for the people that don't. That was the last thing she wanted to do was do something inappropriate to an animal. Like she was an animal lover and she, and it killed her that she, not literally, but it killed her inside that she wasn't able to do, that she was avoiding the job that she loved so much. That was her compulsion. She avoided it because it was too, the thoughts were too devastating to her. Yeah, and, like, I honestly don't even think you need to disclaim it, like, when the episode, too, because I think, you know, we try and create a show and a space where, like, people are assuming good content, or good right. content, you know? So, like, if anybody, like, for instance, you're talking about, you know, these things which are, you know, some obsessions, some things that just, ruminations or whatever, are awful things. But that person doesn't necessarily want to have that. No, not necessarily. No, does not. They want don't. To right. Have that. Exactly. So I don't even think they you think have they to d- even say that. Yeah, um, but interestingly, they'll think they do at one point because right. it's, it's it's that mind. That's battle the obsession, of, and then the moral it's, scrupulality of like. <laughs> yeah, the scrupulous. It's like oh, but I probably do like that. Oh, I found this thought arousing. What does that mean? Also, I've learned a lot about what the body can do with with just from OCD, not with OCD, but also with OCD. Just if you have a sexual thought, your body might, you know, subconsciously prepare you for quite frankly, sex. Um, that's something called arousal non-concordance when it's, if you, if you don't want to have sex in that moment and your body starts preparing you for it, it's like, well, it's getting, feeling arousal at something that you're not actually interested in. Um, but it is not to say that, oh, if I have this thought, something bad will happen. Like, just because I think something doesn't mean it's going to happen. That is a term called magical thinking. Uh, I know some people believe in manifestation, like, oh, if I repeat, I'm going to win a million dollars. I'm going to win a million dollars. It's more likely to happen. But there is no, and like, if you think that way, good for you. But there is no scientific evidence, uh, that backs that at all. Um, you, when it comes to manifestation, you can say like, oh, I'm going to be the CEO of a company and repeat it to yourself. But if all you're doing is repeating it to yourself in your head, it's not any more likely to happen than if you didn't repeat it. You have to, I believe that it's the repeating is keeping it fresh in your brain. So you then work towards that goal. So I just wanted to make that distinction. But I want to talk a little bit about my experience. Two things, um, or I'll give three, I guess, experience of my experiences of mine with OCD that were um, the harder uh, times, I guess. Um, um, the first time, I'm actually going to, this is interesting. I have the letter that I wrote. First of all, I was diagnosed when I was 13, I believe, because I, no, I was 14. I was a freshman in high school. I have the letter that I wrote to my guidance counselor. It's an email and I saved it and thank God I did because I just find it really not funny now, but it's, it's just really cool to see how far I've come and also how much I've had to go through since this. So hi, Mr. Blank. I stopped by your office today during my third period free, but you were talking to somebody. Therefore, I am sending you this email. Who says therefore? I do. I have a, in quotations, (laughs) problem with something I do too, but I was 14. I have a, in quotations, problem with something. It's not threatening to me or anyone else, but it's raising my stress level when it comes to academics. I was wondering if I could stop by at a time convenient for you just to hear your thoughts about my situation. It's kind of long, so that's why I haven't gone into details. 
I have a free tomorrow fourth period. I'm here until 3.45 every day, except Thursdays, and I have one of my three extracurricular <laughs> activities after school on Wednesday. So you could just email me back. Oh, if you could just email me back when you get the chance, I would greatly appreciate it. Thanks, Nick Gervasi. And that's dated 10, 10, 12. Um, that's a word-for-word email that I uh, sent to my guidance counselor freshman year of high school. And at the time, I was dealing with the theme of perfectionism. I, I didn't know about themes or anything. I just knew that something was wrong. I was at a point where... I was like, I'm only going to get straight A's. I'm only going to get straight A's. And if I get an A, or I could get an A minus, but if I get below that, I am just, that's like the worst thing that could ever happen to me. That was truly the worst thing that I could think of happening to me at my life at that time. Um, I was at a point, this was kind of pathetic and sounds pathetic, but the night before freshman year of high school, I prayed. I said a literal prayer to be perfect because I was, I couldn't bear anything else. And obviously that's not something that could happen, but I just planned that, oh, I'm going to walk in 90 degree. And what does that even mean? Because I, you, even if somebody was perfect by their own definition, like you could find, well, I just, you know, I breathed, like, what would that be? Like breathing in intervals that are exactly the same. Like it's impossible. And we know that. Um, But my handwriting was going to be perfect. I wasn't going to have any like divots. Like if I was writing on the, on a bumpy surface, like on my desk, like I would have to put multiple pieces of paper underneath. Um, and I was dealing with perfectionism. I told, or perfectionism, OCD, which really, remember the diagnosis is just OCD. I went to, I talked to him. He was very helpful, um, in just, you know, being there for me, my four years of high school. But I went to my, at the time, pediatrician, um, who then, shared with me a list of therapists who, by the way, were talk therapists. So interesting. Um, and that was when I started my, uh, my, my journey, I guess, once I was diagnosed and I got on medication. Um, I'm not going to say what medication I was on just because I, medication works differently for everyone. Um, and I'm not a doctor obviously. Um, but that was my experience with perfectionism. I remember trying to clean my room. This was like, it not a, I want it. it, Yes. I liked it to be clean at the time, but it was a, all right, it's clean. I took three days to clean it. I looked up a list online of how to clean a room, which is wild. Cause like who doesn't know how to clean? I just wanted to know how to do it the right way. Um, took me about three days. I finally did it. And then I'd go in with a flashlight, look for dust. Wouldn't see any dust there. I'd get halfway down the stairs, come back up check again. And I, that's the compulsion right there is the checking. And at the time, my people were giving me crutches. They were actually helping me um, ritualize without even realizing it. Like, okay, you can use your iPad to type notes so you don't have to write. They were just trying to get me comfortable, I guess. Because um, they didn't know, you know, like who knew? Um, everybody thought they were doing the right thing, including myself. Um, it I think probably the worst part of that theme, my experience with that theme, was annotating the Odyssey freshman year. We were in a hotel room. It was, um, our power was out because of the storm. I don't know if you remember the storm. You were in eighth grade. It was a snowstorm. We had school canceled for like a week. Was that it? That's funny. Yeah. And I was in the fetal position 
because I couldn't, I'm not even kidding, because I couldn't annotate the right way if there is even a way to do that. And my parents were like, I don't think you can continue going to this school because it's clearly too much. They knew I had OCD, but like, it's like you are really struggling and we think you need more help right now. Um, I did continue to go to the school and I'm, I'm very grateful that I did. But that was my first experience with the theme of perfectionism, which is kind of more thought to be what OCD is, but I don't think you see the extremes. Like, it's not, oh, I like my pens in rainbow order, and I'm just a very, because there are people that are perfectionists, and it's, it is what it is, and they, they, they get joy out of that, and trust me, I did too, but I was never happy for long, because it always, something had to be better. Um, do you have any questions so far? Because I, I'm, I realize I'm talking a lot, but no, I'm following. I think, well, I think maybe a personal question is you just said mm -hmm. the, the perfection theme isn't necessarily okay. All of my pens are in the you know, rainbow color order. I do know that personally you enjoy having a different color pen for every month. That's a personal thing though, right? That's not. I do. <laughs> so, that is, so yeah, it's I'm interesting because it is a personal thing. I'm, that's why I'm bringing it up is because I know, I knew it was a personal thing. It was kind of like a. A leading question right. I guess but like mm -hmm. I feel like and again this is just me guessing and call me out if I'm wrong but like I feel like okay oh someone could find out oh Nick has OCD and then they could be like oh the pen thing that must be right everybody has their quirks that yeah, we do right. like you know like I and and honestly it could have factored in at one point where it's like oh I didn't use that color and if I'm using if I'm going to be perfect I have to stick to one it didn't but it would have had I thought about it at the time sure um but so that was my experience with like what people sometimes think of OCD as uh the next one was when I developed feelings for someone for the first time um, in my life, like romantic feelings for someone, uh, in senior year of high school, I thought that I was just like, I have never been happier being around someone than I do at this moment. We had just gone through a very, um, I've talked about this a little bit, um, a very, um, I don't even know the right word. Um, it was like a spiritual, we went on a retreat. So it was a very, uh, close. We, we went on like a, a journey together, yeah, I guess. Yeah, How, it was a, a bunch of us. Yeah, it was moving. And I'm not just saying the two of us. That's kind of weird because yeah. it wasn't the two of us. It was a bunch <laughs> of people. Right. Um, and I developed feelings for that person. And before I could even tell them, I had, I'm sitting in my bed going through a lot. As you can imagine, you're 17 years old, you're hormonal, whatever. <laughs> and I had this thought. As soon as I told someone, um, what if I'm not the sexuality I think I am? And immediately everything turned against, against me being happy, really. I, I kind of just, I, I wrote about it in my senior essay and I said, I never thought, and for some reason I knew this was OCD at the time, but I didn't, because like I said, you know sometimes rationally what it is, what's happening, but you also can't believe that that's the case. Um, so I wrote about it in my senior essay saying, I have never, I never thought OCD could cut me like it did. I felt like it went through my ribs, which is supposed to protect the heart and like stabbed me in it mm. because I felt so much for this person. Um, 
and lo and behold, it didn't work out, but I had been devastated, you know, much before that. And it was by my own brain. Cause then I started having, um, sexual thoughts about a different gender than the one that I was, that this person is and that I was attracted to. And that hadn't happened before. And I was like, what the hell is going on? I am the first person on earth to change sexualities, like to actually change, not to just like, cause sexuality is fluid, but I was like, this happened overnight because I didn't want it to what actually happened. Like they say, you can't change your sexuality. You can't like say like, Oh, I want to be this. I want to be that. It was devastating. And I do want to point it, put it out there that sexuality is fluid and there are people that are bisexual, um, that don't label. And that is totally valid and totally real. But the whole reason this was happening in my case was because I didn't want it to. And I had found somebody that I really was um, emotionally and physically attracted, uh, physically attracted to. Mm-hmm. And like I said, OCD can start to cause real arousal, um, like real arousal. And you hate it because it's so uncomfortable. You're sitting there like, what the hell do I do? Like, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. I'm not attracted to this gender. What is happening? Um I started avoiding um, people that were triggering to me for that reason. Um, I thought I was lying to myself, like, for a full year and even longer. I thought I was just completely, completely lying to myself. I was a total fraud. I had, yeah, it was it was rough, to say the least. But, um, yeah, I didn't want to... It, it just robbed me of something that was so, so, so special to me. Uh, same thing with, I'll talk about the retreat just very briefly. I had so much love for that retreat and it was just such a transformative time in my life that I never wanted to go on a retreat again. I couldn't listen to the music that was played at that retreat because I didn't want that memory to fade. I didn't want the memory to become less special or to attach different meaning. And that's kind of like the contamination thing. Like I don't want to go on another retreat because I don't want my experience of a retreat to change. I don't want the experience of this Adele song, which was when we were young, to change. Um, so that's, you know, that's contamination. The last story I will tell is happened senior year of college. And I don't even think I've told you this. I, I call it with, um, I told, I shared it with my direct roommate. I called it like the darkest day of my life. Like physically it felt like everything was jet black. I had just gone to Target. I had spoken, let, mind you, to my therapist um, only a few days before. And she confirmed to me, no, this isn't true. This is your OCD. And I believed her for five minutes or, you know, however long until something else triggered me. But we were in your apartment. I don't even know if you were there. You weren't. You were, it was Valentine's Day. You were out with someone. I was in your apartment with I, your roommates and we ordered pizza. And I just, I had just gotten my weighted blanket from Target because that was like, they were like, oh, that's something that you should, you know, that might help you because that was something that my therapist had and I used it in a session and it really helped me. But I went home that night, I believe, to my apartment afterwards, because I left after we ate the pizza. I was like, I just don't want to be around people. This is the darkest day of my life, literally. Everything felt like it was jet black around me. Um, it was like four in the morning, between two and four in the morning, and I was just like literally banging my head against the pillow, 
yelling, like not yelling to wake up my roommates, but like, this is not me. What the fuck is happening to me? Like, I hate this so much. This is evil. What, what is wrong with me? And I didn't know who to call because everyone was asleep. And it was probably the worst night of my life. Um, I remember looking at my direct roommate coming home from that and just like, he could see it on my face. He was also not having a good day. And I was just like this, I am not doing well. Um, I spent a lot of, this theme followed me and still does, they all follow me still, but I spent a lot of time, as you know, I was in Florida um, during the pandemic at my friend's house or at Elizabeth's house, who was on episode 14. I spent almost, I would say there were times where I'd call my mom on the hour for reassurance, which was the compulsion. Um, I was standing out at their pool because I didn't want anybody to hear me, but I was so, so scared. I would sleep a lot. Um, I would research OCD a lot um, and the themes that I was going through. And I was going through more than one at the time too, but they were like kind of flip-flopping. So like I'd research about the sexual theme, that would go away. The Lady Gaga theme would pop up almost immediately after. Um, And for at the time that you're experiencing it, that one feels like the only real one. So it's like, whatever you're experiencing in the moment, this is the real one. Everything else is OCD. Or, I don't have OCD. I'm just a bad person or a deviant. Or, <laughs> I have OCD, and this is a theme of OCD, but this isn't OCD. It's wild. Um, so those were... I, I tell those not to, you know, garner sympathy. I really, I don't want that. Um, and I'm very proud of how far I've come. Um because there was a time that I couldn't even, you know, when I came home from Baltimore and home from, we went from Florida to Baltimore and then Baltimore, I came home, um, before going into treatment, there was a time I couldn't even go out to dinner because I didn't want to be triggered. I couldn't, I had to stay, I would stay home when my family went out to dinner and I'm very proud of where I've come from or how far I've come. Um, but I share these just to show how debilitating they can, it can be. Sorry, I burped. And how bad someone with sexual orientation OCD, POCD, um, harm OCD, any of the more taboo ones can feel just because it's one thing to be like, oh, I'm afraid this is going to happen. It's another thing to like fully believe in the moment. I want this to happen. And that's terrifying because, you know, clearly your response is saying otherwise and your history is saying otherwise, but then you start going into, well, did this happen? Did I ever, did I do this? Oh, I think this was wrong. Um, I confessed to a lot of things during my time in college that I didn't even do, like to my parents and to my therapist. Did I do, did this happen the way I think it did? Or is, am I a bad person for doing this? Or I must have done this to this person. And I'm still here and I've been through uh, residential OCD treatment and They all of the therapists, I've, you know, all of the OCD experts, I'm going to stop here after this because I don't want to reassure myself too much, uh, have, have said the same thing. And you can probably imagine what it is, um, without reassuring myself. Before we end, I just want to talk about how OCD is treated because I mentioned talk therapy doesn't work. Why doesn't work? Well, OCD is a cycle. So it starts with the obsession. It causes anxiety. You do the compulsion, whatever it is, whether it be confessing, researching, touching something 10 times, uh, testing for arousal. Um, 
you know, rewriting something because your handwriting didn't look good. The first, whatever it is, you know, chewing for two hours, you do the, um, the compulsion and you feel incredible. You're like, that was just my OCD. That's awesome. And let me just add this little tidbit because I think it's so important. As soon as you get away from that certainty provided by the compulsion, as soon as you get that little bit of uncertainty, if your brain, your OCD brain can't prove that your fear isn't true, if it can't get certainty that your fear isn't true, it would rather subconsciously work against you. This is, again, subconscious. It would rather get certainty that your fear is true than to be uncertain. And again, that's subconsciously because let's pick the example of the rock again. If I were to if I have a fear that I'm going to throw a rock at someone and I don't, that's why I'm picking it. Um, my OCD, like the subconscious part of my OCD brain would, if, if I can't prove for fact that I'm not going to throw it, which none of us could prove that, it would rather prove that, oh, I want to throw that rock. When, if you think about it, if you were given two options, do you want to be uncertain that you're going to throw the rock or do you want to be certain that you're going to throw the rock at someone? If you're a good person, you'd rather, I guess, be uncertain but that's not, so like, yes, consciously, that's what you might be thinking, but subconsciously your brain is like, well, I need certainty, so I'd rather be certain that this is what's going to happen. And that's where the terror comes from. So when people say, oh, OCD is about certainty, and the people struggling are like, well, that's not really true. I don't want to be certain. Like, of course you don't want to be certain that you're going to hurt someone. Um, it's not like a, it's not a conscious need for certainty all the time. But the thing is, nothing is certain in life. So as soon as you get even an ounce of uncertainty, you're less prepared to tolerate it because you just did something that reasserted that you need to do this thing. Otherwise, you know, you are, you're in danger, basically. So you, your brain, you know, that feedback loop is saying, oh, I need to do that again. So you go back to the obsession. You're starting to obsess again because you have a little bit of doubt and it grows and grows and grows until it's a certain fact in your mind. And then... I need to do the compulsion, I need to do the compulsion, you do it. And a lot of times, talk therapy can be compulsive. Um, so what's, how do you break that? We talked about it last episode a little bit, exposure, exposure, response, and response prevention, ERP. So what that is, is doing the exposure, exposing yourself to the obsession, sometimes in an in a very extra way, something that you wouldn't do in normal life. And I'll give examples in a second. And then you don't do the research. You don't do the, you know, you don't touch whatever you have to in order to feel safe. And you sit with the uncertainty and the thought that, hey, you know, maybe I am gay. Maybe I am straight. Maybe I am, you know, going to harm someone. And, and, and it's terrifying. But as you sit with it, the obsession, you know, it might go up a little bit. The anxiety might spike a little bit at first, but it will eventually, you know, start to come down and you realize, wow, nothing happened during this exposure except my anxiety. But that's not even the point of it because the point is like you live with OCD. OCD is chronic. It doesn't like ever go away. These thoughts don't ever go away. But the point is not to get rid of the thoughts. It's the point. The point is to get rid of the, um, the response to it because OCD. So I just want to say to anybody that is doing ERP or has OCD, struggling with OCD, battling OCD, whatever you want to call it, you are an absolute badass because this is the only disorder that fights its treatment in a way that it tells you, no, don't do that. It's actually dangerous to do that. It's not going to help you. It's going to prove whatever you're afraid of to be true. So you are incredible. 
Like, absolutely incredible. It has been said that OCD is one of the top 10 most debilitating mental disorders, and I just am in awe of everyone's bravery uh, in fighting this horrible, horrible disorder. Um, I like to think of ERP as pulling a fire alarm, but then dancing to it and kind of training your brain a little bit that, like, this isn't as scary as you think it is, or, or... Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. The alarm is going in your head, but you're not going to react to it. Obviously, do not pull fire alarms. This is not... This is a PSA. Um, I also like to think of ERP. uh, As you all know, my favorite artist is Lady Gaga. The song Rain On Me, I've said this before, that it's helped me through um, a lot of the stages of my OCD recovery, and I don't think I've ever explained why on this show, but the reason I say that is because Rain On Me is about dancing through your tears, dancing through the pain, dancing through the rain, really. And it kind of goes back to that, you know, it's a cliche metaphor, but life isn't learning about, life isn't waiting about, life is not about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain. And it's so true. It's like, yeah, all of these things are happening. These thoughts are happening. These fears are happening. These urges are happening. I don't think I'm good enough. I don't, I think I'm broken, whatever, rain on me. We're going to dance to it. So that's just my word of encouragement for all of you. But so I'll give a few and then we can then we'll do the quiz um, examples of ERP for the different themes that I gave. So let me pull up that list again. And please, if I haven't explained anything well or if I've been too brief, I'm really trying to walk the line of, you know, sharing authentically and also not doing compulsions or oversharing. Um and I'm going to have my therapist listen to this too, um, because he is an expert in uh, OCD treatment. And he, he also, this is comforting to me, but also reassuring, he works, um, he's a professor at Harvard Medical School. Um, so he, that, you know, he really, he, he does good work, to say the least. Um, but perf- so perfectionism, you might intentionally put a misspelling in a paper. Yeah, it might give you a lower grade. Okay, like, yeah, that's a real thing that's really affecting you. Like, you might get a lower grade, or the teacher might not notice, but, you know, what's going to happen? You might get an A- minus instead of an A, you might get an 87 instead of an 88, like, you know, and you and you learn to live with that, that uncertainty. Um, These are examples of ERP. Yes, yes. and there's, there's, people work with their treatment uh, team to yeah. figure out what's, and a lot of people start, there's a hierarchy, so, like, you do your easier ones, you start with your easier ones, so you don't you know, have a full-blown panic attack, which, funny enough, not really, but in treatment, I was like, I'm going to go for the hard, like, I was just having a day. I was like, F this, I'm going for the hardest one. And it was like jumping into a pool head first with no water in it. Um, that was how my, that was how my therapist, one of them dis- described it. But anyways, um, sexual orientation, if you're afraid that you're gay, maybe looking at, you know, pictures of men, on the beach, if you if you're a man and think you're gay, or if you're gay and think you're straight, looking at pictures of women and not think not using it as reassurance. Not is this something I'm enjoying? What does this like physical response mean? It's just maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I'm gonna sit with it, and then I'm gonna go do something that's value based in my life. Because the whole you know everything that OCD like all these thoughts are ego dystonic, which means they're not aligned with your values. Hmm. So you then go do something that's value based and. You just let it be what it is. Maybe I am gay. Maybe I am straight. Um, POCD, going 
going to a park, um, going and like sitting. I know somebody that sat with their therapist on a park bench and just went at a playground and just looked at kids. Or, you know, if you have like nieces and nephews, you know, playing with them, letting them sit on your lap if they want to. I'm a big believer that, you know, you shouldn't force. I'm, I'm fully serious. Like any yeah. kid no, to yeah, do what they like. It's like if they important. don't want to hug you, yes. don't. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, I think it's not necessarily something that we always think about. Some people are like, oh, just give me a hug. Like, no. Because um, I think that's teaching kids consent at an early age is to, you know, ask them. But uh or even like it can, the harder ones would be like, oh, if you're with them and it's appropriate and you're helping give them a bath, like something like that. It's really, I know, is really distressing for people with OCD. Like that is not a happy act. Bath time is for a lot of people a bonding moment, you know, with their kids or, you know, nieces, nephew, grandkids, whatever. Not so much for the people with OCD um, <laughs> if they have that theme. Um, relationship OCD. Oh, maybe I did just find that other. Cause that's, I mean, that's a pretty, we find people attractive, right? You, just cause you're in a relationship and you're monogamous does not mean you don't see other people. Like when you're walking down the street and be like, oh, they're God awful ugly. Um, <laughs> that might be an example of that. Or maybe I didn't like, maybe I'm, or talking to like a compulsion might be avoiding anybody else that of the same sex as your partner. Just be like, I don't want to. I don't want to talk to any of them because I don't want to cheat. Like maybe it is going to a party and dancing with someone, not slow dancing, or maybe it is slow dancing. I don't know. I guess your partner would have to be in on the, the um, treatment planning if that were the case. Um, and the list goes on, you know, moral scrupulosity. Maybe you don't hold the door for someone. Maybe you, one time my treatment team was like, what if you were anti-Nick for a day? What if you just went around and were not friendly? What if you were kind of rude to strangers? What would that, and it's, I mean, who wants to be rude, right? But at the end of the day, people are rude sometimes. And it's like, what would happen if you were rude? You're not going to die. And it's not you. You're not, it's not saying, oh, just let's throw caution to the wind. But what, what's the worst that can happen? It's kind of that. So those are, I'm going to stop there just because I, you know, you kind of get the point, but I do just want to say before we go on to the questions that, um, if you are struggling with this disorder, you think you're struggling with this, this disorder, you can go to no CD, um, on Instagram and they have their official website on there, but I go to Instagram for no CD. It's an official, um, organization that treats OCD. Uh, they've been around for a few years now. They actually just partnered with Howie Mandel, who has diagnosed OCD. Um, you can use them to find a therapist, learn more about OCD, talk to other people who have OCD. Um, they're a very reputable uh, company, and they take insurance. Um, and they're supported by this next group, the IOCDF, which is, I mentioned them before, they're the International OCD Foundation. Um, you can learn, again, you can learn uh, all about the disorder on there. They have a conference that I have yet to go to because of COVID um, that I would love to go to. My therapist recommends I go to it. He's been to it uh, multiple times. Um, and they also have like a, you can find a therapist that, that practices ERP, which is the gold standard um, throughout you know, OCD specialists will, they will tell you ERP is the gold standard for, um, OCD treatment. Um, and then the other thing is, so there are three people that I want to shout out that are advocates for OCD. They're not, well, one of them, at least one of them is a therapist, but they're not 
your therapist, obviously. They're just advocates on social media for Instagram. One of them is Chrissy Hodges. Um, her handle, I believe, is at Puro Chrissy. She does a lot of YouTube videos with incredibly detailed, like, if you want to talk, like, the taboo obsessions, she goes there, and she's incredible because she makes people with OCD feel less alone. Um, I love her, and she's funny. She's really, really funny. She actually, she has a book, too, um, Puro, The Invisible Side of OCD, but she's one of them. Allegra Castens, who is um, obsessively ever after, she's incredible, too, and Kimberly Quinlan, who wrote the self-compassion um, I, I forget oh what's the title I'm gonna I'm gonna Google it quickly because I have it and I love it the self-compassion workbook for OCD and she talks she has a podcast um, your anxiety toolkit which she talks about OCD and anxiety related disorders and how to um, cope with them in a self-compassionate way and she's also incredible um, and even if you don't have OCD like all three of those for educational purposes if you want to know more about the disorder and really support learn how to support your friends and not give them reassurance. They are three great places to start. Um, questions before we get into the. No, no, I think this was a very good episode. You, I hope lots of different things. Um, yeah, I hope I wasn't too brief, um, or too, um, sparing of the details, but like I said, that's a mix of me not wanting to overshare, um, me not wanting to do that compulsion of like, Oh, this, this, and this, and you know, and if people don't get mad, then it must it must just be my OCD because like I've been down that rabbit hole before. No, um, I don't think you were too sparing with detail. I mean, this is gonna be maybe our longest uh, Academy episode, but I don't think for that's sure. a bad thing. You mentioned a little bit, um, but I want to talk about stigma because stigma kind of mm. comes up with mental health just generally. As someone who is mm -hmm. in the mental health fields myself, um, as well as experienced mental health um, issues in the past, um, stigma is like a huge thing. And I know that some, for OCD at least, I hear in a handful of my circles still, um, Me too. People, saying, people saying, oh, my OCD, that's just my OCD when they're talking about pet peeves or when they're talking mm -hmm. about organizing or talking about, mm -hmm. you know, any something, whatever. Um, so I guess, do you want to say anything, or I'm going to give the give the microphone to you back to you. What do you want to say when it comes to stigma and just language when it comes to OCD? So that never bothered me, the I'm so OCD, until I realized what it was doing. It's not that, oh, they're uneducated about it. It's, oh, it's forcing the people with real OCD who firmly believe that they want to go stab their whoever mother when that's really not what they want to do and they'd never let me just I don't know if I've said this yet but people with OCD are probably the least likely to ever commit any one of these acts just because it so goes against the core of who they are and that's why these obsessions persist um I uh let's not confuse obsessions with OCD and psychosis right. which is a different type of thing where someone might have those thoughts and then that person and then, would need to call 988 or something or 911 or right right and like that but they're different yeah. thought patterns they're different and they're diagnosed too like yes. don't i don't i hope that nobody's out there saying like oh i want to go stab someone and then do it be like oh it's ocd no that's not an ocd people no no no, no. Yeah. there's a that's, difference and, and i think yeah. if you've come, made it this far in the episode 
you should, should be able that. to di- um, have the differentiation between the two. Yes, um, but it didn't bother me until it made me realize that it's pushing all of these like real experiences. It's making them even less known. It's kind of taking away their validity. It's it's not really. They're always going to be valid and real. But when when it reinforces what OCD isn't, when people learn what it is, they're very not always open mm. to what it really is. Mm. When this is not just, I'm not pulling this off like some deep sect of the internet. Like this is what, if you Google OCD, like real OCD, um, it's going to be, you're going to be flooded with information that you've heard a lot of on this podcast. And I am not, like I said, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a professional. Don't use me as a professional resource. I am just, you know, someone with OCD sharing my experience and what I've learned in the past 10 years. Because I believe I had it long before I was 14. And someone who has personal experience who is encouraging people to just be mindful of their language. Of course. Um, yes. And but thank you know, you. not perpetuating further mm-hmm. harm or stigma. So, okay. And I think you did that yes. very eloquently. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yes. All right. The first question. Um, How many are there? Two, I don't know, to be honest, because I forgot to mention one of the the things um that you would need to know in order to get the question right and i'm not going to say it now because then you'll you know right you know so the first one name two subtypes that are often used to help group ocd obsessions which are sometimes casually referred to as themes p ocd and so ocd yes yes yay he has a one One out of one one so far (laughs) we love that i'll give you Mm, I won't go there yet. What is, can you describe, you don't have to do this perfectly, obviously, the cycle of OCD? Yeah, so there's, it starts with the obsession. There's a, there's a thought. Um, and then that thought gets to the point where it's anxiety inducing or, or panic inducing, which then turns into the, the compulsion side where that's kind of like the disorders um, trying to like relieve, quote unquote, relieve mm-hmm. the, the panic, the anxiety. And then, so then you're seeking kind of with the compulsion, you're trying to relieve it, trying to seek the reassurance. Um, and if I'm using any words wrong too, like definitely. No, no, you, you're, if you're, you're seeking great. the reassurance and if you're doing ERP, you kind of leave yourself you you do a, you you don't give in to the compulsion rather you do the opposite of what the compulsion for instance the example you gave was for uh, perfectionism ocd you might like misspell something and then you just leave yourself there and you you kind of yeah. lack of a better phrase bathe in that discomfort um yes. <laughs> and i then, know so oh sorry and then like but then no, for, but for then, then the cycle you um you might get the relief you might do the compulsion for instance if if let's say um, it, it is a perfection thing and you're doing a paper, you spell checked your entire paper, mm-hmm. you get that relief, you're, you feel certain, okay, that was my OCD, but then it leaves yourself vulnerable again. And that's why it's a cycle because then your, your head, your mind, it's like, okay, they're feeling okay, but there could be fear of this next thing coming through. And so then that's the cycle right. starts itself over. Yes. Yes. The, and it strengthens it too. Um, strengthens the cycle i also just i'll save this for the end because it's it really doesn't apply to what i was just about to say okay (laughs) um i was gonna say uh 
what is wrong with, and you kind of answered this a little bit, but if I were to say, oh, I'm having, let me think of one. I'm, I don't think I like Lady Gaga anymore. And I'm terrified because like, I, I know that sounds so stupid, but like I get so much joy out of her and this literally happened in a second and I don't know what, like what to do. And like, do you, like, I just, I, it feels so real. Like it mimics reality. OCD mimics reality. Like what? This is a kind of a bad example, but because that's not how I would have worded it. But why is it bad to be like, that's crazy. Like you, you love her. Like you'll get like, you're fine. Just why is it bad? I'll, to provide, I'll love you if you say it. Why is it bad to provide the reassurance? Yes. You don't want there to be a re- like to build and I don't know again, a reliance on this crutch. Yeah, well, it's a it's a compulsion for me to be like, hey, yeah. to is rely this on that right? compulsion to find. The yeah, relief. yeah, like when you 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 feel like you're helping your loved one by you know opening the door for them if they say I cannot touch the doorknob because there is a germ on there, it, it provides them temporary relief, but it strengthens that cycle. Um, yes, yeah. Um, Did I get it? <laughs> I yeah, I, I will. I will give that. Okay. No, no, I will give that to you because you have in in multiple times. And you, we've we just had this discussion last episode where you were like, I feel like the right thing to do is to, you know, make you feel better. Which I mean, that's like the that's anybody's reaction. It's hard for me too. We used to sit in there in the um in or the residential program and be like, I'm not going to reassure you. I'm not going to re-. like they <laughs> like we would ask each other questions. We're very sneaky about it. Like I will get I've done it to you before where I've been like just word vomit all of my experience and be like, but he doesn't you don't think I'm a bad person, right? Like I've done it to you before without this was like 2 years ago now when we went to um I don't know why this one sticks in my memory, but it just it I do it to my mom all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. And she's very good now at realizing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Part of what you're doing and what you did with this episode and what I did with my Academy episode from Moya Moya is you're raising awareness. Cause I think colloquially, a lot of people have some degree of knowledge, no matter how small of what OCD is. But I think what you provided today with this episode is a good foundation of what the disease or the disorder, disorder, I don't want to say disease, but like what OCD is disorder, and, and what someone who experiences it, um, what that journey is like. And I think that's going to be something that um, a lot of people should should hear and maybe wouldn't get to hear if you didn't do this episode or write this episode. So um, thank you again. I said this two episodes ago, but thank you for leaning into that discomfort (laughs) when uh, you wrote that letter and for writing this episode. And um, I think this was a great episode. So thank you. Thank you. And especially since anybody out to anyone out there who's struggling to, I just want to say it does get better. You can, you know, start to take the steps towards recovery like i said intrusive thoughts will never completely go away for anyone but you know you can um live a happy life and even in the moments of you know like struggle like there are high high when you feel good you feel on top of the world and when you don't it feels like the end of the world i understand that but we try not to label those experiences as as good or bad because that just reinforces oh this is a bad thought this is a good thought it's just thoughts are thoughts right and they're gonna happen and you're gonna be okay with them and you might even say oh i like it when you don't sure that's 
and all of the resources that you provided will be in the description too yes so if you want to use and i'm i yes and i'm just for for anybody that listened to the very end i am very grateful um to you because i you know this i feel like i was sharing a a big chunk of my story so if you if you listen to it i'm very appreciative of you truly absolutely thank you nick thank you and with that his name is justin do i always read that that I know, way i, I don't, don't know why and his, it's because it's written well, first in the thing we've done this for more than a year and his name is yes. nick gervasi you can reach us at our email at point of do nope that's not it you did at that last email, time point too of do- Yes, I did. Um, but we're going to leave it in there because, you know, imperfection. Email pointofdopodcast at gmail.com or by sending us a voice message on our website, anchor.fm forward slash pointofdo. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at pointofdopodcast. Yes, that is with the at sign this time and Twitter at pointofdo. If you enjoy our show, give us a rating or review in the Apple Podcast Store or share us with a friend or family member. We'd really appreciate it and are truly grateful for your support. As always, we hope you have a great week. Thank you for listening, and until next time, I am happy. I am fine now. Am I daddy? No, I am not. I felt like something was not going right, but it fucks me up till it gets crazy. It fucks me up till it gets to me. Yes, we are who we are. Everything's going right, cheers me up, because I'm